You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. People pay good money to see this movie. When they go out to a theater, they want cold sodas, hot popcorn, and no monsters in the projection booth. Everyone pretend podcasting isn't boring. Turn it off. Trzymać. Stop. Robię film. To, to pan ma żonę Rosjankę? Tak. A pan, pan pracuje w organach. Ma pani chwilkę na rozmowę czasu? No ale jaką rozmowę? Krótką. Jaką krótką? No i tak krążę po ulicach Warszawy i, i nie wiem, co, co sam z sobą zrobić, nie wiem. Czy to będzie w filmie? Nie wiem. Raz, dwa, trzy. Raz, dwa, trzy. Także jeszcze, kochani, ja tu wrócę. Powinieneś fabularny film zrobić o tej pracy swojej, bo to jest bardzo interesujący, może być no, scenariusz. A o życiu rozmawiam tutaj z ludźmi. Oj, to pan źle trafił. Dlaczego źle? Bo moje życie jest do niczego na tą chwilę. Przed chwilą mieliśmy rozpacz, musiałam go karmić na murku piersią, ale zasnął. Jest to nowość dla mnie, bo mam go od trzech tygodni. Kto tam czeka na panią? Kochać! Ja nagryłam mojego męża na zdradzie, ale masz materiał! Ale masz materiał! To jest matata, proszę pana. Mama plus tata równa się matata. Matata? W jednej osobie. Bóg, honor, ojczyzna. To podstawowe rzeczy, o które zawsze będę łączył. Nie można tym zapomnieć. Śpisz po nocach, czy nie? Bo jak się tak nasłuchasz, a strasznie dużo ludzi słuchasz i różnych historii, prawda? Jesteśmy jakimś takim kropeczką przypadku. Gdzieś w oceanie niewyobrażalnej przestrzeni. Ups. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. This is your host, Mike White. This is our continuing coverage of the Museum of the Moving Images First Look Festival. On this episode, I am talking with Pawel Lozinski all about his film, The Balcony Movie. It is playing at the First Look Festival, which is happening right now, March 16th through 20th, over in New York. Find out more information at movingimage.us. Rather than starting off with our normal pattern, Mr. Lozinski had a very special message about what is currently going on in his home country of Poland, as well as the Ukraine. You know, in the beginning, I just want to say that it's so difficult for me to talk about, you know, the career and film because we have so such a difficult war situation right now in, in Ukraine. And it's it's very touching for, for all 
you know, Polish people, because as you may know, there is like 2 million Ukrainian refugees that we have right now in Poland. We are trying to help them. We are going to, to the railway station every day, trying to find apartments for them to, to give them food and, and clothes. And they're coming like whole, all families, like, but without men, you know, just like, Grandmothers and daughters and grandchildren, sometimes uh, families like 10, 13 people. And it's so heartbreaking, you know, so they're watching it, all, all of this, that it's very difficult even for me to speak about film right now. But of course, we, we're going to do it. I just want to mention that if you can anyway support Ukrainian people by letting everybody know about this cruel war, which is going on there, or just simple to donate or make a pressure to your, to your government in order to, to stop this war. So please do it, stop this war, because it's something really, really terrible. And it's, it's happening in the 21st century. You know, it's so strange for us. It's, it's like three, four hours from, from our east border, our Polish east border. So, yes, that, that was my short statement about war Ukraine, and please share this information. Of course, everybody knows, but we have to push this information and try to, to make people speak about it and make a pressure. Okay, thank you. You know, we, we even tried to shoot two days ago in a railroad station in Warsaw. There are like hundreds and thousands of people coming, and they have to, to be registered in a special offices created by NGOs, non-government organization because, you know, Polish government is doing nothing about it, just saying the border is open and so help yourself, you know. So we try to shoot small material, but not for TV, but thinking about maybe a kind of documentary. And I, yes, I saw this, this, how, you know, imagine that one day, unexpectedly, you have to pack your bag and everything to one suitcase and you have to leave. And it's really happening. So they are they are completely desperate and they are in shock and in trauma and they they having their cats and dogs with with them they are like us you know they are normal regular families but without men because men are staying in Ukraine and trying to to fight against Russian troops you know that's it what was it like having a filmmaker father and were you expected to follow in his footsteps didn't know any other way of living so it was for me it was normal that my father was a film director and from my childhood everything was going around the films of my father so the whole house my my mother and then my little brother we were living around his problems with, with making films because those times it was a censorship in in in, Pol in poland it was in 70s and 80s so he always had a problem he they the censorship didn't let him to finish his films or even when the films were ready, they decided not to allow to, to be them to be, to, to be screened in the cinema. So it was like, yes, it was normal and abnormal in, in the same time. But I think it's, it's not, not only by chance that I decided to be a documentary filmmaker, but there was a huge pressure, I can say, yes, to do something which is, let's say, Interesting, valuable, and it's kind of a retouch, I can say, yes. How do you find your subjects? How do you decide what you're going to make a film about? Sometimes these are like 
Like, for example, my first film, it was called Birthplace. I shot it in 1992. And it was a documentary story about one Polish Jewish living in America. His name is Henrik Grinberg. He's a writer. He's living in Washington. And the story was that he was he came back to to his small village that where, where he was born just before the war. And he, he came back and tried to resolve the, the mystery of the death of his little brother and his father. And the brother was, I can make a spoiler, the brother was shot by a German officer or German policeman. And, and his father, unfortunately, was killed by his Polish neighbors in the end of, of the war. So this subject came to me because I'm a Polish Jewish, you know, so, and it was a good time to resolve those kinds of, of mysteries. I started this film in 91. It was no more the censorship in Poland. So I was free to look for this kind of subject really, which was important to me. And it was so, yes, I can, say that I'm searching in in myself. First, it was like my Polish-Jewish identity and untold stories of difficult relationship between Jewish and Polish people during the war. Because, you know, the, during the communist time, it was obligatory knowledge was that all Polish people helped Jewish people and Jewish people were killed only by Germans. But, of course, it wasn't such simple truth as they said so i i had a huge i felt this pressure inside me to just to tell the truth and to say it wasn't like this it was much more complicated please look at the mirror and see it was i did it for less for polish spectators especially because i i do believe that how to say that if you if you are not not open to to listen to the truth you are not you will have a difficulties in um, in dealing with your internal trauma because there was a trauma of people who has been killed and their families and trauma of the witnesses as well, Polish witnesses, and trauma of those people who unfortunately decided to kill their Jewish neighbors. And it's and it's kind of trauma that is irritated by next generations. So I really believed at those those times that it could change something in in Polish society, you know. But I think it didn't happen. You said that you're trying to help hold up a mirror and make people look at themselves and see what had happened. Is that kind of what you feel the role of the documentary filmmaker is? Is to hold that mirror up? For me, yes. For me. I'm a I'm a guy with a camera and the camera could be sometimes a mirror that people could look look on it and see themselves. I'm trying to make a film about some, for example, what I don't have an answer to to question to some questions like concerning life, like what is the meaning of life, and how is suffering on cancer, or what is being a cleaning lady, Ukrainian clean lady in in Poland. Or about how to how is to be poor. So that's when I don't have answers, I'm trying to take my camera and make a film about it. How many people are generally on a crew? Because watching the balcony movie, it seems like you are a one man band on that. Yes, I was one man band this this time. I was camera operator, let's say DOP, and I was sound engineer and I was the director. Because it was like, you know, one-to-one meetings. So I even tried to make it with some 
people who are help, helping me from the balcony, like like soundmen. But it didn't work good because the people, you know, when when we spoke one to one, it's always much better. Just get those kind of intim of intimacy, even on the street, you know. Where did the idea for the balcony movie come from? It's true what I'm saying to my protagonist that I didn't have an idea for a new film. It's true, and uh, it was like. Sometimes me and my wife Agnieszka, we were trying to have lunch or breakfast on Sunday, Sunday mornings, and on the balcony when when whoever is good. And I was always listen to the people, to the passersby, and I I re- received like scratches of so small scratches of dialogue, you know, like some sentences, and asking myself, but where is the next 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 series? Who they are? So, why they are in a rush, why this woman is crying, why this man is so happy, you know. So I was like, eh, maybe I can ask, maybe I can ask, maybe I can ask. So so I decided one day I decided maybe it's it's a good 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 idea to to change the rules of the game, you know, because the rule normal rule for documentary filmmakers that I have a camera and I have a let's say shooting group and then I'm searching for a good protagonist so maybe in Warsaw or somewhere in Poland or I'm living my country and there's a story in France or in Russia for example yes but this time I I like to change it it means to prove that if I can stay for a long time with my camera nailed here in the one one place on the balcony so all the world would would come into my frame. All the people I need, all the yes, there's whole world simply, and it, I, I think it's it's worked perfectly good. Because I stand there like two two years and a half and having 165 days of shooting. It's my per, personal record. <laughs> I never made this kind of you know long term observation before, and I, I even became a bit addicted because. When you are in a balcony and you can go and work every day for a documentary filmmaker, it's something you know very, very, very precious. Do you want to see my balcony? Sure, right yeah, love yes. to see it. Of course, it's podcast, podcast without you know, yeah, without image, but I can show you. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. It's very yes. This is my this is my place here. This is my window. Yeah, it's it's you know it's it was so simple opening. These doors, and here we are. You may recognize the frame. Oh, yeah, very familiar. Very familiar. For a while, not nobody. If I wait 10, 15 minutes, somebody would come. Yes. So this is this is the place. How long were you out there every day? You know, it depends on the day. If I had had no time, just like two hours or three hours, and. If the weather was good, some, sometimes I started early morning and finish almost at night. It depends on imagination or, or name of the day because, you know, like Saturdays and Sundays, we have like another people because they are, they are people going, going to the church every Sunday. And I, on Saturdays, we have a lot of visitors coming to this. My district is called... Saska Kempa, and it's a very quiet district, and, and we have a big main street called French Street, and it's it's a kind of corso, you know. People are going around, having their, they have restaurants and cafe, and, and their people are going to walk whole families. It's during the weekend. And during a normal, regular day, 
normal regular people like postmen, like neighbors, like, you know. Yes. I, but I didn't have a precise schedule. Just it depended on my imagination, just a time limit. You, know? you said you shot for 165 days. Why not 166 or 164? I don't know. It was very difficult to finish the project, you know, but pandemia helped me a bit. I started, it's, it's, of course, it's not a pandemic film because I started in 2018. So when pandemic came in 2020, it was like, it was like not, not bad for me because not only because pandemic, but because the people are starting to wearing masks and the subjects and the, our conversations of changed, of course, because we, they are, they started to speak about their fear, about uncertainty, about how do they, we can survive in those hard times. And, and I even made a short 10 minute film from the balcony using the same balcony method about the pandemic, about the pandemic for HBO Poland. It was called Masks and Men. It was about our first impression, first feeling about the pandemic, about the virus. My problem is that I'm so dedicated to one project that if you ask me, for for example, for another one, I don't have it in my mind yet. I have to, I have to live, I have to listen, I have to watch, I have to meet some people, and then I can decide, oh, maybe this will be my another film, my one. So I'm not so, you know, factory worker like one by one. It's not a chain filmmaker making like chain smoker. It's unfortunately because I would love to make more films, but sometimes it's not possible. I need, I, I have to, I need like two, three years to make a film, but it's normal. You know, f- fiction, you can, you can, you have money you can make in 12 months, maybe, but with a documentary, it's not possible, especially if you use this method of long-term observation, which I like very much. So I need, I need time, I need a lot of shooting days, and I need to concentrate on it. Well, what is the state of documentary films in Poland right now? I mean, you mentioned how you showed one on HBO. I think this one will also show on HBO. I'm curious as far as are things being shown theatrically? Are there a ton of documentaries coming out every year? Poland is a very special country about documentary filmmaking. We have a special school. It was created by old master. His name is Kazimierz, or his name was Kazimierz Karabas, and he was a Nestor of, of Polish documentary filmmakers. He was a teacher of my father, Marcel Łoziński. He was a teacher of Krzysztof Kieślowski as well. And it, it is, the school is very special because those films in 70s and 80s, they were dedicated to the, to the cinemas. They were not for TV. So they have to stick special rules. The rule number one, it was, it cannot be longer than 20 minutes, shorter than, than 10, because 300 meters of negative of film, it's, it's 10 minutes. It was called one act. One act is 10 minutes, two acts, 20 minutes. So, and it, they were shown those beautiful Polish black and white documentaries were shown those days in the cinemas before the main, main feature film, you know main fiction. So it's another way of thinking about documentary filmmaking. It's, it's not like TV news. It's not like reportage, but, but it was like seeing whole world like in a drop of water. So the documentary filmmakers picked kind of subject that could be really universal and seen in a different layers. 
story is not about this man and this story, but something universal about love or, or about, you know, communism system at the time. When did that stop happening? When did they stop showing those before features? After the, well, when, the, when the communism passed away, so they, they decided to to sell films and then to earn money. So they need a place to, to advertisement and publicity before the main screening. So it was the end of these small films. But this way of thinking about the filmmaking is still in our minds, you know. So this is this is I think this is this is very special. And you ask about the the how we are doing with documentary filmmaking make, making in Poland right now. I think we are doing quite well. There is a lot of Polish good Polish documentaries in festival winning the main prizes in, in festivals all around the world because you know simply they are they are good and uh, it's it's one trick that we are using that. We are trying to to shoot like a documentary film in a documentary way, but edit like a fiction film, narrative film. This this is the trick. Not so we are not making impression about something, but it's a storytelling using documentary film. You know, I think this is the main character, characteristic of all documentary right now. Was there any hesitation on you being a part of your own film? Listen, I'm just using my voice. I'm showing myself only uh, in the beginning of it because I was thinking maybe it's funny when people will see somebody for the first time in the beginning of the film and then not anymore. But I think my, my family, my wife, my daughter, and they are talking about me. Talking When they are talking with me, they are talking about me. You know, It's kind of mirror that they have in their hands so the, the spectator can see. <laughs> me in this mirror I'm just using my voice of course my dream was not to asking too many questions I prefer the when people are just using the monologues but sometimes in order to stop them and push them to speak I have to ask several questions of course like stupid questions on the street like what is the meaning of your life you know like it's a very stupid question when somebody's <laughs> crossing the street and hi hi, can I ask you something? <laughs> but it's, it was kind of pretext, pretext of to to have a to have conversation with them. And you know, after a couple of of months, I think I became kind of secular confessional for them. So they knew I'm here, and they could come and they could speak about their life, what happening, what what good or what bad. And sometimes they were complaining, saying like, yesterday I was there, but you haven't been, so come on, so what's... Mm-hmm. But I said, but I'm here now, you can say, you can talk. And they, they're saying like, okay, it was my yesterday story, it's not it's not good for today. <laughs> I have, a, you know, I spoke with almost 2,000 characters. You know? So it was kind of crazy work, and I have a lot of good material, I don't know what to do with, with it, even think that I could create some kind of video art for for museum you know showing a lot of different characters with small small having small dialogues with with me maybe i I could do it one day because it's a shame not to use it because they are so interesting you know they are so colorful and so unspectable and you know like the people are great you know human beings so they're great you could have gone out and shot 
man on the street interviews, but having the unusual thing of the balcony and the distance, I think the distance and also having them look up, I mean, it does kind of feel like you're in that God's eye position and they are confessing to you. I had a feeling that they are talking to me and talking in the same time, they are talking to somebody who is above, above us somewhere, maybe. So I was, I tried, of course, not to be in a good position because I'm just, you know, normal guy, normal guy with a camera. But what was good in this position that they felt completely free to enter my frame, to have small conversation and to just run away from the frame or step out of the frame anytime they wanted. Because if I would be in just level zero on the on the pavement, so they could feel like pushed by me to talk to my camera. It's it's kind of TV interview on a street. But in this strange way of conversation, it was kind of these five meters of distance created good opportunity to, to speak. For example, when I was private on the street and I meeting the, those people. Privately, yes. So, so they were like embarrassed, and I was embarrassed too, because you know I was too shy to close to them like one meter and asking this kind of question: "Who are you? What is the meaning of your life?" And it was so artificial. But coming back to my position, balcony position, with them coming back to their you know sidewalk position, it worked perfectly well. But we are intimidated to be too close to each other. Yeah, but this, sometimes the distance in documentary is good. In the beginning, I was afraid that maybe I'm always making a film, but not always, but very often, using the close-ups, having psychology, looking into the eyes of people, you know, to search for feelings, to, to soul-searching, you know, <laughs> as one of my protagonists said, soul-searching. So, But this time they were, like, very small in the frame. But still, everybody has his or her one minute to make a show in my frame. It was like sometimes like in a theater, you know, they're coming on a stage, showing, have a show, small show, goodbye, and next. You know? They knew they feel, they felt, and they, they could smell these, these con- how to say, convention, yes? Convention is like, yes, we're doing, this is the convention. Say something and then you are free. But something deep, something something interesting, something just from your soul, yes. I was repeating one thing that I'm, I'm just, my camera is, I'm using this only to transfer your story to, to the spectators. Please something private to my camera, but mind that this is not for me, this is for the other people. What do you want to say to other people using my camera? Please use it, record, so you can go, go on with your story. Was there a moment when you were at the very beginning of the project and you said, okay, I'm going to stick with this. This is going to make it all worthwhile. In the very beginning, I was, I was convinced that I would use only one, one frame, only one frame and changing, having two lenses like 28 millimeters and 35 millimeters. But after a couple of weeks of shooting, I saw that it's not working perfectly well because sometimes somebody's like three meters on the left side or four meters on the right side. So if I don't move my camera, I would never have this protagonist. So I decided to, to, to buy a head, moving head for my tripod. And I started to make panoramas and uh, watching what is happening on the other side of the street. 
because you know from the from the balcony you see more so would like i use this opportunity to you know i bought a zoom lens <laughs> so i was like i have universal like 180 degree of watching you know all around my my area and i was all, always standing on on the balcony i was never sitting i didn't have a chair there because when you sit you are you are not so focused on it so I had to be focused and to stand in order to be like, you know, if somebody interesting appears, so it was like three seconds to push the button record and then to direct my boom, which was very, very long and prepare myself to oh, maybe this man would be interesting and would say something. Yeah. You know, I have a, I have a, this very, you know, special encounter with this very shy lady, woman, girl, yes, woman. It was in the winter, and I I just pointed my camera to, to her. She was on the other side of the street, and I I really insisted. I really insisted and asked her to to come closer to to my camera, and she was so open and so shy at the same time. Very special kind of of character. She was kind of skinless person i would say somebody who is very delicate and in the same in the same time very true you remember this this character yes the, the yeah this she has a small like trolley with her and two two stickers to some like you know and she was like she was very intimidated but in the same time she was the only one she, who said no to me she said like you want i asked her about her dream says that no way you will, I will never <laughs> answer this question. Ah, maybe you are, she was talking to me. Maybe you are this kind of character that you are very open. You don't have a problem with contact with people, but I'm not. I will not, I will never ask, answer you this kind of question. And it was, she was, she had a big mystery inside. In the same time, she was very delicate and very strong, you know, and I had a lot of, a lot of more conversations with her. Like I, I, so I knew her story after after we were talking, but I decided to use only this first scene that she's coming to approaching my camera. And one of the last scenes when she's coming and she, she it's a long time, it's a panorama from right to left. She's walking, she's watching me, I'm watching her through the camera and she was like hesitating. And there was one moment when she decided to just wave me with her hand. And it was kind of communion between me and her or her and me between, you know, my protagonist and then film director. I think it's the main, main, main story of this film, the kind of communion that when we are decided to, to speak, to, to exchange our emotion, that, that's the moment we are the real human beings that we needed very much. We, especially during the pandemic, it was like in the beginning it was forbidden to take even our dog to go to the park, you know. Everything the area was completely closed in Warsaw. The people had such a big hunger to contact, to to speak with somebody in real, not using Zoom tool, you know, the real contact. And so they came under my camera and started just just to speak. Five meters of distance, it was good. It was perfect. It was very safe. They were like, we are so alone. We We need to speak with somebody. So it's a film, I think it's a film about loneliness and about this need of human-human contact that we still have. This may be a very silly question, but... There's no silly, no silly questions, only silly answers. 
Here in the States, you record somebody, you almost always have to have them sign a waiver. Is that also the rule for you? Yes, yes. It, it's, it was a subject for another film. Because after each conversation, I stopped them once again, asking for the telephone number of email address. And then from those 2,000 of protagonists we used, we have in a film like 80, almost 80. So we have to call, we have to write an email, and we have to found all, all of them and make them sign the agreement. Yes, it was a huge work. <laughs> Especially, you know, this guy... This homeless guy, Robert, in the end of the film, there was a conversation between us. It's, it's on winter and it's at night. And it was the last time I, I really saw him in real life. So we were trying to get in touch with him, but how to do it? I, we even wrote a letter to the police station asking, maybe he's in jail or maybe he's, he died. Or, but the answer was, he's not in jail and he... We don't have him on the list of, of dead people, so try it to search in other ways. And we found him through his brother, who has a Facebook, and the brother contact Robert, and Robert was still there in, in Warsaw. So I met him, and and he was like, let's say, almost happy. He said he 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 came back to his wife, and he came back to his two children, and he has a dog. He buy himself a dog, and he's living in an apartment right now. So it's kind of, you know, small happy end for him. Yes, I like this very much. I, I feel relieved because I was afraid that something terrible happened to him. So do you know what your next subject is going to be? Are you going to cover more of the Ukrainian crisis, do you think? I think I, w I would try, but, because, but I try to be very, very delicate because the psychologist said that it's not good to ask them about what they suffered. During the war, it's better to give them food and something to drink and give a shelter and a bed in our apartment. That's it. No asking. They say no asking. about. If they want to talk to you, okay, but you never ask. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I could make a film about refugees at my home, you know, because we are, we are inviting people to spend a couple of nights in our apartment. But maybe, maybe there will be a next film. I don't know. Mr. Lodzinski, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you very much.